It's podcast number 24 at joettecalories.com, and we've got a great episode for you. Right from the get-go, we want you to know that Joette's podcasts are now available on Google Play, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Today we're going to look at some topics that Joette feels bear repeating. The first topic looks at getting a conventional diagnosis, and Joette gives us some good examples about what she means. And then the second topic is pretty closely related to the first, where Joette is looking at what she calls the hensers. So, you know, I have foggy brain and low vitamin D, hence I need to supplement with vitamin D. And so she looks at that more carefully. Finally, the third topic is the concept of knowing when you can use a protocol and knowing when for a chronic condition or even I guess an acute you should be seeking professional help from a homeopath. So she wants us to know what our limitations may or may not be. Now if you've heard these topics before, don't assume that you already understand them. Today's discussion came about because Joette has been receiving repeated questions in relation to these subjects. So you may think you get them, but hopefully today's episode will prove useful for you as you gain a deeper understanding of them. Okay, so here we go. here with Joette. How are you, Joette? I'm well, Paola. Nice to be here with you. All right. We've just been brainstorming and planning today's podcast, and we've got a real great one for you guys today. It is going to be on things we've said before, topics that bear repeating that Joette has talked about over and over again, and we think it is a great time to remind you guys about some important subjects. And we have three that we're thinking of. Yeah, sometimes things need bear repeating. You know, yeah. it, you know, as we learn, we, we think we understand. And then yeah. a year later, we didn't, we, we didn't embody it fully. Right. And we have to go back and, and think it through again and commit it to our thinking structure. Well, um, you know, homeschooling classical world, we have grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. The grammar stage is when you're first understanding the concept and you're getting the vocabulary down and just the very basics um, that dialectic is where you're starting to ask questions about it and you're, like you said, starting to embody it. And then rhetoric is where you can really teach it and talk about it and, you know, have an authoritative position. And I think the only way you get through those three levels is to repeat it and to hear it again and again. Well, repetition is the mother of knowledge. Right. Really, that's just what it boils down to. All right, so here we go. So the first, we have three topics we want to cover, and the first one is the topic of getting a conventional diagnosis for any condition that you are trying to, to use homeopathy with. Yes. So there are, this is, a, this is a hard and fast rule, but there are always exceptions to every rule. So if, you're, if you get sore throats consistently, and you've gone to the doctor many times and the doctor reports yes indeed it's strep do you need a diagnosis every single time you get a sore throat well after a while i mean it's pretty clear it's a strep throat but if you've never had a sore throat and wondering if it's strep then it might be a good idea to get someone's opinion who sees this consistently now if you've seen it consistently i would say you're a pretty good measure but if you haven't then go to someone perhaps who has. Right, or uh, we've talked about before getting those rapid strep tests from Amazon. You know, that might Love be. Love it. Love it. Try. 
Yes, yes. Same thing with urinary tract infections. You know, those can be dangerous. If you've never had one before, it might be a good idea to find out if indeed it is a urinary tract infection. Sometimes it's as obvious as can be. And so I've gone without seeing conventional doctors for many years. I know what's happening, generally speaking, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have no idea what's going on. And so I really do need someone who has more expertise than I do in that particular area. So it's, you have to weigh it out. I think a good example for me, at least, is skin conditions. I feel like sometimes red rashy skin looks like red rashy skin. And I don't know, is it rosacea? Is it, I mean, hives are pretty obvious, right? right? But is it rosacea? I mean, I was just helping a friend of mine. We're doing a protocol for her eczema. And then suddenly she got this terrible rash all over her. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what is it? And so I, I, I said, go to the doctor, get a diagnosis. Because I mean, probably antimonium crude, but I just want to know. And she came back and it was impetigo. And that helped so much, getting a nice, firm diagnosis. Right. Right. Yeah, it's good to know that. Sometimes dermatologists and doctors in general don't know what certain conditions are. Right. And um, sometimes we give them a hard time for it. But to be honest, it can be hard to determine what this or that is sometimes. Right. Now, that precludes, actually, maybe that leads us into that section that you and I were talking about today and getting too much information. Oh, yeah. And sometimes too much information can bog us down. We right. want, I, with, in using the Banerjee protocols, we forego all of the naturopathic ways of looking at health. And instead of assuming that the liver must be sluggish or it's got to be your, this meridian or that meridian, no, no, no. The Banerjee, I'm not saying that's wrong, but if you're using the Banerjee protocols, generally speaking, we're using conventional diagnostics. So from a doctor's point of view, what is this called? Not from a naturopath, not from a clinical ecologist, not from a uh, functional MD. They look at it much differently. And again, I'm going to say there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it will throw you into a different way of thinking. And if you, and you kind of, in a way, you have to choose which method you, you want. Which camp are you in? The homeopathic method, the, the naturopathic method, the conventional medicine method. So you, it, it doesn't mean you can't cross over from time to time, but you have to kind of decide to identify yourself to a certain degree. Okay, so let's run through a couple of examples just to kind of, yes, no, Joette, is this a good diagnosis that you're looking for or is this um, too deep of a diagnosis? So the MTHFR gene. Too Another, deep. Too deep. Okay. Too deep. Why? Because, because what it's telling, it's not giving, that's not a diagnosis. That's a theory as to why you have this inability to resolve toxins. Right. It has to do with why you're, you're not methylating your B vitamins. That's meaningless in, the, in, in homeopathy used in this method. Basically, if you suddenly have uptake better B vitamins, Will your condition go away? We don't know. And for that purpose, it's more of a theorizing and not a firm conventional diagnosis that we can chase. Yeah. So if you're not methylating your B vitamins properly and you're not releasing your toxins, so now what? 
so what can what what doctors who believe in this method of of investigation will tell you is that you need more b vitamins but these are better methylating b vitamins right what homeopathy says is how do we even know that it's only the B vitamins. It could be vitamin R that nobody's discovered yet. In right. addition to the B vitamins, why are we going down that rabbit hole? What right. are the symptoms? What's so the they, diagnosis and what are the symptoms? That's what we hang our hat on. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that the B vitamins hold the cure. It's, per, it's perhaps just a side effect, let's say, could of be. the disease that you're having. And if we sure. fix the disease, let's say all that gets back to normal again. Right. Like it used to be or whatever. Right. right. Well, when somebody tells me they're not methylating their B vitamins, they're often, you know, bloated. Right. And they have constipation. And they might have some skin condition. Right. So symptoms never lie. Let's start with that. Let's actually make that our foundation. Symptoms never lie. The only time symptoms lie is when someone's taking a medication. And then what we're reading are not symptoms, but rather um, side effects. Side effects. Mm-hmm. But if someone is, and, but you can still, you can still separate those two. If you're, once you get better at this, you'll be able to figure out what's a side effect and what's, what is a, um, um, a true, a true genuine symptom. And if you're dealing with side effects, the goal then is to, to address the illness that you're taking the drugs for so that you can wean off the drugs and therefore eliminate the side effects. Hopefully, hopefully, depending on the disease. I mean, if it's a really serious disease, I mean, we're talking about diabetes. We're not going to tell somebody to get off their insulin. They may never get off of their insulin. Right. For example. But that's typically, I would think that there's not a lot of diseases where, where you would say that. Depends on, you know, who you are. I mean, I, I work with a lot of people who have very serious illnesses. Okay. And, and, um, and sometimes it's okay. And, so, and, it's, and sometimes, you, we, and, and their age, depends on their age. What if they're 87 years old? Right, right. Do you say, oh, we got to get you off of these drugs? Well, <laughs> kind of late. Right. I mean, I'm not saying it's forever for everyone. It doesn't mean we can't ever get anyone off of their medications. But something, let's say blood pressure meds that they've been taking for the last 45 years, that's going to take some effort. Right. And time. Right. And do we have that much time? So let me think, let's go back to some examples of diagnosis. What about gluten intolerance? Is that now, gluten intolerance doesn't it only gives us one bit of information that the person can't tolerate gluten. Gluten. It's all it tells us. It doesn't tell us how it's presenting. How is it presenting? Oh, you have colitis. Oh, okay. Now there's a diagnosis. There we What's go. The colitis from? Okay, the colitis is as a result of eating gluten. So I don't eat gluten because otherwise I get colitis. There you go. Now we use a homeopathic protocol, medicine specific for colitis. That's right. what we're looking for. How? What is the name of the disease that comes from this gluten intolerance? Because I'll I'll tell you, I work with many many people who say I'm gluten intolerant. Okay, so and you and I have colitis. Okay, so. If you eat gluten, colitis gets really bad. Yes. What if you don't eat gluten? I still have colitis, but it's not so bad. So then it's not gluten intolerance that's the cause, is it? Because that would mean that by stopping the gluten, that'd be the end of it. I mean, yes, there's people with celiac disease. Yeah, that's not the answer, is it? The answer is not what's going in. It's what's happening once it goes in. Or once anything goes in, because right. as I meet with people and I and they're they're gluten intolerant, they're dairy intolerant, they're um, shellfish intolerant, they're and we go on and on mm-hmm. all the intolerances. I know because I've been there personally myself, and they eliminate and eliminate and eliminate, and as they get more and more narrow and go down this funnel, what occurs is they're still sick. 
but now they can't forget what food it is. Well, that's because, in my estimation, more often than not, it's not actually the food. It's not the raw materials going into the factory. It's the factory. Right. The bot in the works. Right. It's the factory that needs to be corrected, not the food eliminated. And if you, if you think in terms of eliminating food and you call yourself gluten intolerant, dairy intolerant, et cetera, et cetera, intolerant, then you're, you're going down a rabbit hole for which you will likely never come out of until you find, in my estimation, until you find homeopathy. So it's not necessarily that we don't address the gluten intolerance with perhaps Bovista or something like that. It's that we also need to look at the underlying disease that is the factory, basically, what, what is not working. Well, Bovista is, it will help with the underlying condition that there is any intolerance in the first place. Right. But now we have to see, what do you mean by that? Oh, collide, oh, bloating. Okay, right. got it. Now right. we address it with the, with the correct homeopathic protocols that is specific for how it presents, because not everyone has gluten intolerance or dairy intolerance in the same way. So You're they right. Tell us. I mean, I never, for a long time, I never even had digestive issues with gluten. I, my bladder would bleed. And some people have no digestive issues, but they have fibromyalgia. And that exactly. is Exactly. Really, mm-hmm. so or or depression sure. if they have right. gluten. Or fatigue if they have uh, uh, a gluten. Or their hair falls. Or their thyroid, it becomes um, hypothyroidism. So, yeah, it depends on the person. What is your weak link? Look back. It's whatever your weakest link is in your family, that more often than not, not always, but more often than not, will give you the indicator of what organ is going to break down when you over, when you use something, a substance that needs to be not eliminated, but the, the action uh, corrected around it. Mm-hmm, the action corrected around. And that, that's an interesting point because for me, for example, with my bladder condition, which is now, I mean, pretty much cured, I... Um, we never even did Bovista for my gluten intolerance until recently. We addressed all the factory problems first, you know right. what I mean? And it wasn't until recently that you and I decided, okay, well, let's, let's go ahead and, and try this Bovista too, you know, to kind of finish some things up. So I think that's an interesting point. So be careful when you're looking at gluten intolerance that you're not ignoring. I like, I like that analogy a lot, the factory itself, not yes. just the input that's going in. All right, well, here's another example then. Um, Liver detox, I have a toxic liver versus elevated liver enzymes. There's a difference. difference. Big Mm -hmm. difference. Walk us through that. Okay. So there are practitioners out there and books that you can read that will tell you that you are toxic. In fact, um, more often than not, that is the spiel. You're toxic. You're toxic. You have parasites. You have heavy metals and you have yeast. That's the mantra I hear all the time. Well, I know that intimately because I personally was told that and what I, and what I was reading back 35, even longer ago than that, years ago, that it must be that I'm toxic. Now, what it does is two things. It, again, throws people down rabbit holes. But meanwhile, they're freaking, absolutely freaking over the fact that they're toxic. Every little thing that happens, I'm sweating, so that must mean I'm getting the toxins out. I'm eating kale, so that's a good thing. And everything is, is myopic around the topic of toxins because it's a scary, quote, diagnosis, unquote. I don't believe 
that it is a diagnosis, unless you can show that, unless your liver enzymes are, are elevated, unless you've had blood tests and it shows that, that you have heavy metals, that you have lead. And even then, tell me what the symptoms are. If the liver is tender mm-hmm. or the liver enzymes are elevated, now we have a conventional, and I'm going to say it again and again, a conventional diagnosis is what we're looking for. Now we know how to address that. So it's not that the liver isn't toxic. I mean, that may, may very well be true, or it may very well be true that you, you have like the MTHFR gene or heavy metals. But in the well, last... First of all, it's subjective. Let me just interrupt for a second. Okay. It's a very subjective statement. What do you mean it's toxic? So show me a liver that isn't toxic. Right. World. That's what they do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so what is the level that you consider toxic because it changes from from decade to decade from modality to modality which one is toxic Mm -hmm. and if it is toxic does that mean the person is sick sometimes people have so-called toxic livers and they're not even sick they're fine yeah right so what it comes down to is the language of joette's practical homeopathy is this there's the difference between theorizing a toxic liver and having a conventional diagnosis where you have blood work that shows elevated liver enzymes, you have the beige stool, the pain in the liver right under your ribs, those are different from theorizing that you need to detox your liver or, right. or any of those other subjects that we talked about. That's right. Absolutely. I, you know, I talked to so many people who have been on detoxing programs oh. again and again and again and again. And I say, so how's it working? Some people swear by it. They say, yeah, it's helped me. Other people say, I never saw any change. Right. Um, I went it on it. I went great. Yeah. But it's yeah. Not. Great. Yeah. But if it's not, you, you have, you are going down a path that's, that will lead you to be thinking in my estimation in the wrong way. Well, it just comes down to if there's an easier way that is possibly even safer, you know, because some of these detoxes are pretty intense. So if there's an easier way that is possibly safer, why wouldn't you do that first? I guess, you know, right. Right. All right, let's go on to our second topic here um, on our subject of topics that bear repeating. The next topic we're calling hence. My skin is dry, hence I must not be drinking enough water. My stools are not frequent enough, hence I must be eating too much meat. So tell us about hence, Joette. Well, I think that we as humans are henserers. <laughs> you <know>, we have... <laughs> not a real word. <laughs> yeah, we have... We have uh, problems with, with hensing, and, and because we want answers, you know, we're all looking for an answer. Why am I so sick? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I like timelines. I do like people to lay out a timeline of the conditions that they've experienced from the time they started to get sick, let's say it's a chronic condition or even acute, uh, and lay out what, what preceded that. Uh, oh, I had pneumonia. Okay, so what did you do for the pneumonia? Oh, I took antibiotics. Um, before that, I had um, impetigo. What'd you do for that? I took antibiotics, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that will give us a clear picture, give you a clear picture of what's going on in your system. But when we make the assumption that it must be this because I've done that, it's too simplified. Because I also talk to people who say, well, I drink a lot of water, so the hence doesn't work, my skin is still dry. 
What I love about homeopathy is if you're going to be, be logical, start out with that. Well, maybe if you're not drinking any water, it might be a good idea, but don't start pounding down a gallon a day. I think that's, that's irreverent of the body's natural understanding of thirst. Mm -hmm. So um, instead, if the skin is truly itchy and dry and worse in winter, et cetera, et cetera, and cracking, why not just use a homeopathic medicine for it and correct it once and for all, which is petroleum 200, for example. Well, this kind of hails back to the first subject, too. I mean, the reason we kind of pick these three is they're kind of interconnected. It goes back to theorizing sometimes. You know, um, my, my, I can't focus, hence my doctor says that my vitamin D levels are low. Therefore, hence, I guess that's where you fit it in. Right. Hence, I take, hence vitamin, I take D. vitamin D, synthetic vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it goes so, kind of back to that. Well, then my question is, so you don't get enough, you're not, you're not uh, utilizing your vitamin D. So are you eating meat? Are you eating liver? Do you take cod liver oil? Do you, do you go out in the sun? Do you wear sunscreen? Those are important questions because if you are blocking the ability of your body to utilize those nutrients, such as the sun or eating liver, et cetera, et cetera, from absorbing and utilizing vitamin D or making vitamin D, then yeah, you might need vitamin D. But what if you're already doing all of those? Right. What if you're already in the sun? Let's, what if you live in Florida and you don't wear sunscreen and you golf and you take cod liver oil from time to time and you eat liver and you eat butter and lard and tallow, et cetera, where vitamin D is naturally found. Vitamin A and E is already in concert with those uh, other, with vitamin D vitamins. Mm -hmm. um, then, then how does that fit? If you take synthetic vitamin D, now you're just getting a synthetic version of a vitamin. Mm -hmm. My question would be, what are the symptoms? And if the symptoms tell us what's going on, then we just use the homeopathic medicine that is specific for how it's presenting, mm -hmm. not why it's presenting necessarily. Well, and something you said about this, there, there's actually a, a danger with theorizing too much and, you know, saying hence too often. And you said, you know, when we were planning, not only does it make you neurotic, which isn't good, you don't want that added stress, you already have enough stress, you have your condition, but also these assumptions slowly solidify into facts. And, and that's not good. No, they'd solidify into facts in our brains. They concretize. There's no doubt about it. When they're not the facts that we're looking for. Right, right. Yeah, and so you think about anything in our lives, in our world, if we believe that that's the truth and you're completely off base, wow, what a waste of time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What that means is that then you follow this, this thinking down a certain path that is erroneous. You have to be open for other ideas here. So um, you may think that, it's not, that you're not drinking enough water in spite of the fact that you're drinking almost a gallon a day uh, because you're reading sites that say you should be drinking a gallon a day. I can't seem to pound that down. I can't get it all in. So that's got to be the reason. It's me. I've done it wrong. I'm theorizing that I'm not drinking enough. Right. I think that's a mistake. Right. And, and it's just the solution is simply to, if you have X, Illness. If you have a condition and you're surmising that it's from uh, not drinking enough water or whatever, then, and you know the condition, why not just use the homeopathic medicine that corrects the condition once and for all? And then you drink water according to your thirst. Right. Exactly. 
Okay, so kind of to conclude the second point, Joette, you're saying stop trying to answer the whys. You'll never figure out the why, and neither will your doctor. Let it go and just treat the, the condition that has been diagnosed conventionally. Yes, I like that answer, but, or that conclusion, but I will also say that I do believe in people asking why so that they can learn from their mistakes. Oh, now I have eczema after having taken antibiotics. What do you know? Now I have, so you can, you can make some assumptions based on your timeline, but that still doesn't give us necessarily a method for treatment because now we're, now we're in the eczema stage. So we have to go with how to use these homeopathic medicines for the eczema. Right. I mean, so, so it's important to know what a high quality diet is. It's important to know sure. how dangerous antibiotics and other, you know, steroids and other medications are. And so those whys are important, but it doesn't necessarily, yes, you know, lead to the answer of how to fix it. All right. So the third point, let's move on to the third point. And that is um, homeopathy and the concept of cooking a recipe for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us yes. about that. Okay, you know, it's, I would love to say that homeopathy is formulaic. This is the condition, this is the remedy. Many times we can, and that's what I try very hard to teach in my courses and on my blog and on these podcasts. If it's a simple solution, I'm there to, to hand it out to you. I want you to have it. However, it's not always like that, especially for many chronic conditions. So if we're baking a cake and, uh, and you're winging it and you've never made a cake before and you say, well, I know there must be flour in here and I'm pretty sure there's butter in cakes and I think there were eggs too and let's say, let's just throw some, some sugar in there to make it taste sweet and you throw it all together, you might end up with a decent cake, you might not. With essential oils, it's very formulaic. If you've got a cold, you use thieves or if you've got a cold, you use lavender or whatever. If you've got a dental issue, you use clove oil, etc. It's pretty formulaic, and it's often pretty formulaic when it comes to herbs as well. So it's, that's why I believe essential oils have made such inroads in our world today, at least in the U.S., is that it's super easy. If I've got this, I use that. Homeopathy can do some of that with the Banerjee protocols, but I will also tell you there are many, many, many conditions that humans suffer and animals suffer that are not necessarily readily available through my teachings and even through sometimes the Banerjee's. Sometimes we have to revert to classical homeopathy. And that is what the Banerjee protocols are based on in the first place. If you know anything about classical, they are classical homeopaths. They have just found certain protocols work exquisitely fast or exquisitely well with these specific protocols in a large percentage of the population. Right. They've studied a pattern with that protocol and that condition that makes it very scientific for them Mm -hmm. to rely on that protocol. Because there's data and plenty of it. Mm-hmm. So their data shows that if you have itching, antimonium crude is very likely to help with that. Right. Or in approximately 80% of those who have 
itching rashes, antimony and crude is likely to help. Now, let's say it doesn't. Well, that means you go to the second protocol, right. and that might cover another 10% or 15% of the population. So, but it may get to the point where you still have itching, and you've used protocol one, protocol two, and if there's a third protocol, that one as well. At that point, we do have to consider going to classical homeopathy. And who gets to help you through that if it's a chronic condition? If you're a seasoned, I mean, many of our students are seasoned homeopaths. Many of them are moms who have been using homeopathy for 40 years. Okay. So, uh, and they have repertories. They own a repertory where they can actually crack open the book and start repertorizing, which is a process. And it is a complex process. I hate to, to take it out of the hands of uh, neophytes, but it is a complex co uh, process that has to be studied and learned. For those who are new and you're, and you're stumped, it's best to see a homeopath. So let's, let's define who is new. You know, let's talk about me. I love homeopathy. I live and breathe it. I own tons of books. I mean, dozens of books. I have hundreds of remedies. I love it. I help people all the time with protocols. I've, you know, helped my friend. She no longer has ulcerative colitis. And I've done eczema with people. And I've done this and that. Do I get to go to my repertory? I have Kent's repertory. Do I get to go to that and fix someone's chronic disease using classical skills? Because none of the protocols work. If you are educated in using a repertory, I'm not. Then you then you then you would not be able to necessarily count on it. And educated meaning I went to homeopathy school. Yes. And yeah, have using a repertory is complex. Yes. Not a one-hour lecture here and there. That's right. That's okay. right. Yeah. See, you really do need to study it further. I, th I just think that's such an important point to make because I hear people, you know, talking, well, you know, I might use some silica for my eczema. No, you're not allowed to do that. No, walk away. Not allowed. You're supposed to do the protocols. Either use the protocol or, or really know classical homeopathy and have repertorized it. Right. Really know it. Really know it. And, and, and classical homeopathy is not a recipe like the Banerjee no, protocol. No, it is not. It is not. It's very deep. I'm an English teacher, and we were talking about how I get these questions from my students, and it's probably why a lot of people hate English class, because, okay, how long does my essay have to be? Ah. You're killing me. I can't answer that question. What is a good essay? Ah, well, we've got diction. We've got voice. We have word choice. We have research. We have facts. We have organization. Yeah, who's it being submitted to? What yes. are the needs of the publication? Right. What are their requirements? Is, this, is it a publication or is it a, 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 an English teacher in college? Who's the audience, right. Who's the audience? Who are you speaking to? What... what um, uh, um, rhetoric do you use mm -hmm. for a specific audience? If you're writing to children, then you've got to speak differently than if you're writing to scientists. Right, exactly. And so it's like you can't answer that question. And I think homeopathy, classical homeopathy is very much the same way. What potency do I use for this condition? It's like asking me, what's a good essay? Right. It's, it's, so deep and so you don't even know what you're talking about. You well, know? when we're asking about what potency and how frequently, that is, that is called the study of posology, P-O-S-O-L-G-Y. It is a study that I studied for a year. How do you know which potency and how frequently? So first you go into the repertory, if you, if you have learned how to use that. You find out which homeopathic medicine is most likely to fit this person and this person's condition. And then you're going to several rubrics and 
and well, the way I the way I learned it, it was all jotted down. Now they now there are programs, but I would write that all down, and I would write it down on a legal pad, and and it would take a good at least forty minutes to write them all down, look them all up. My three-legged stool, my three most important conditions that needed to be considered. And then I would jot down the most valuable homeopathic medicines that I thought were most valuable. Again, it's very subjective. Now I have to go to the Materia Medica and study those, um, say, five homeopathic medicines that kept coming to the fore. Once I've studied those, now I have to decide, and I've made a determination. Okay, it's phosphorus. I know it's phosphorus. Okay, now what potency? Oh, well, let's see. I've used 200 in the past, or maybe I've also been helpful in a 30, and Kent says to use it in a 200 or 1M. Now what potency? Okay, now I decide on my potency. Okay, how frequently? So that's the study of pathology. And if you don't have that, you better stick with the Banerjee protocols. Right, and I think it's important for people to appreciate that's a year of your life that you studied that subject. Yes. And so you're not going to figure it out. I mean, you might accidentally figure it out, but that's yeah. an accident, you know, and good for you if it is an accident, you know, right. but, but this is what you're up against. I mean, just a, a little example. I remember when I had um, a lot of my chronic bladder stuff, we would use at one point, we would only the Cantharis 200 w- would work for my chronic bladder pain. Oh, the 30 wouldn't work. It was 200. And then later on, as I had healed a lot, and I no longer really had the chronic stuff, but I got an acute bladder infection. Only the Cantharis 30 would 30, work. 30, right. Wouldn't touch me. Right. And that's just a wonderful example of how the, the potency really matters, and we're so lucky to have these protocols that yes. the work is done for us. That's right. The cake recipe is all put out. It tells us exactly how many eggs, how much sugar, how much vanilla, how much flour. And the interesting thing is you can still mess up the recipe. I mean, how many times have you cooked something, Joette, and you messed it up because you didn't read the directions properly? That alone, reading the directions properly is, is hard enough. And, and you got to slow down and pay attention. You know, I know there's different Facebook groups um, on homeopathy. You know, you have your students of Joette Calabrese. It's really important that you just don't take someone's word for it when they give you a protocol. Oh, yeah, this is a protocol for that. You know, you got to make sure that they, you're assuming they've read the recipe right and they're right. digesting it and giving it to you right too. That's you right. got to go take the classes and know for yourself that you're doing it right. And I think that's, that's right. a big deal. Yes. Yes, it is. I also want to, speaking of the importance of repetition, when folks use the blog or they take a course, I, I see questions that come in and it's clear to me they have not read it. They've not read the blog thoroughly. It's very clear. It's all there. It's as obvious as can be, yet they still ask questions. No, 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 no. Go back and read it again. If you have to read it five times, read it again. If, you, if you're taking one of our courses then, and you're not sure what to do, go back and take the course again. Right. It really takes that much effort. This is very concentrated, tight information that I'm trying, and I try to explain that in the beginning of these classes, that these are very intense, very intense information. And so I don't expect you to just go to page 57 and say, okay, so what do I take now for this eczema? No, 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 no. You start from the beginning because now that you've taken it, now what do you do? After you've been taking it for a few weeks and only it's partially gone. Those are the questions we often get. What do I do now? Well, apparently you did not take the, you didn't study the course well enough because it tells you exactly what you have to do second time. How do you observe? How do you interpret what you're observing? 
I, I really like the classical model of homeschooling and it hails back to that concept grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. If you review it and review it and review it, you move through those stages and you can't fast forward. You can't go from grammar to rhetoric. You can't. Yes, you, you've right, got to right. work. Well, it's the same thing as we said earlier is playing the piano. Someone says, well, I really would like to be able to play a Tchaikovsky concerto. Well, mm -hmm. great. Do you know where middle C is? Yeah. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, little star, my right, friend. Here we right. go. I know. Let's yeah. see. You got to play. You have to learn. You have to start when you're four and study and study and study and repeat and repeat and practice two hours a day. And someday you may be able to play a Tchaikovsky concerto. Well, and this is, this is not just advice for anyone that's new to homeopathy. I think you yourself, Joette, take this advice because I remember you said when you went to the Banerjee's to study with them, you wouldn't ask questions. You would sit and observe and study and listen and observe and study and listen. And, and you even said now that you go, you've gone back so many times, you're starting to ask a few more questions, you know. But I mean, is, is that similar to why you're trying to Grasping. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to absorb. Because, and because, here's the reason. I know why they're using specific remedies because, I, because the remedies that they're using are medicines that I've used right. for exactly those same conditions. But for them, they have exact potency, exact frequency, and it's all laid out. What I would have done, I might have gone to the same homeopathic medicine as they did, but I might not have used it in a 6X twice a day or say, you know, a month. So if I were to ask them, why do you use this remedy in a 6X twice a day for a month? You know what their answer would be? It works. <laughs> yes, that's the answer. So why would I ask them a question that I know the answer to already? Just keep quiet, Joette, and just observe and record. Observe. And I've got books and books and books of all my observations and recordings. And it's cool because I think you can start seeing patterns. Oh, as absolutely. To, as to, you know, like a Belladonna 6 is for pain. Yes. And so we, we have head pain, we have, you know, different pains, but it's always at lower potencies and maybe a belladonna and a higher potency does something else. And so you, you can learn those patterns, but um, sometimes when you ask point blank, it's, it's hard to answer, mm -hmm. but when you observe it and you see kind of the, the constellation, you know, appear to you, you start picking up on that pattern yourself mm -hmm. and you internalize mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Well, those are our three points, our three, you know, topics that bear repeating and good. I think we did it. Yeah, I think we did it. I hope you guys liked it. And um, I hope that that this helps kind of, you know, because sometimes you feel like you're missing something and you're not sure what you're missing, then you want to know what it is. Well, this is something that, you know, we pulled together between Laura and people in the office that, you know, social media. The we questions that we get on a yes. regular basis. Yes, exactly. So this is this is a big deal. So thank you Great. so much, Joette, for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always fun, Paula. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Okay. You just listened to a podcast by JoetteCalabrese.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author, Joette Calabrese, shared her passion for helping families stay healthy through homeopathy and nutrient-dense nutrition. Joette's podcasts are available on Google Play, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio.